With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Right now, um, it is time to talk uh, football, and we've got him on the line. It is uh, Jacob Spoonley. Jacob, welcome, mate. How you doing? I'm doing all right. I'm back up in Auckland. The weather's pretty honking, uh, so probably want to return to Wellington or, or Napier sometime soon where I was for the Christmas break, mate. Where are you based, Jake? Where are about? Are you an Auckland boy or you a Wellington boy? Uh, I'm I'm from Auckland, so I grew up on the North Shore, okay. um, uh, up in Torbay. Um, I'm a my childhood was the product of the expansion by Massey into Albany, and Dad came up for that. So um, we've been globe trotting a little bit before then and finally landed on the North Shore. Oh, awesome, mate. Hey, look, let's get straight into it because there's so much to talk about. Let's let's kick off with the, the big one overnight. Um, uh, Jacob, what what happened? I haven't seen the game. I was driving in and Ricardo was saying the score on air. Brentford 3, Liverpool 1. Talk me through this one, mate. What is going on at Liverpool? I think what we're seeing at the moment is Liverpool... Uh, the result of Liverpool's lack of investment in succession. They've been um, ad hoc, I say, would probably be the best way to describe it in Mm. terms of their recruitment. And I think they're avoiding the really big uh, and painful question. And it's probably going to be a 100 million to 200 million pound answer that will be the response to the question. But they need to revamp their midfield and defence. They've... They've invested pretty well up front. I think the likes of Luis Diaz has slotted in really naturally. Yes. Diego Jota, uh, he has provided a lot to this attack going forward. And uh, Darwin Nunez, people love to uh, have a pop at him. And I think he's very much in the Haaland shadow at the moment. So anything that he does will be qualified by the fact that Haaland's either done it before him or is doing it better or more often. So it's a little bit harsh on him. His goal scoring record is wonderful. And the chaos ball that he is laying the platform for um, has reaped rewards. And we saw him get a goal again this morning. But the big issue for Liverpool Mm. is that they've got an aging team now. It was a team that was very successful, but perhaps they are over the peak. And what does need to happen and it could be a way of um, re-energizing the players within the squad but they definitely need to go out and get that next superstar Mm. they went out and spent money on Virgil van Dijk he laid the platform for this team for a number of years they lost Jenny Wijnaldum Um, they've allowed other players to exit the club Um, players like Adam Lallana so you just feel at the moment with van Dijk perhaps waning after the World Cup there's a lack of leadership, particularly in the middle, when you take Jordan Henderson out. Mm. And it's a squad issue for me. Not necessarily an 11 issue, but a squad issue. And the big answer, and I think it's on the cards at the moment because it's going quite quiet, and that's usually a very good indication for Liverpool's recruitment team, mm. is Jude Bellingham. Oh, but really? Cost. Uh, so is Bellingham, is he leaning towards Liverpool? Well, there's a lot of chat online, and everyone likes to fill the vacuum with speculation. But it looks like it's a choice between Chelsea, um, Real Madrid and Liverpool at the moment. And I think the heart for Bellingham says Liverpool. But 
there's going to be questions over how the team's performing at the moment. And it won't necessarily be this potential slump that they're going through. It's going to be what does this look like at the end of the year? Mm. Are they going to be in the Champions League? And that'll be the big question for him because he'll want to take his career and evolve it, take it to the next level. And he won't want to wait for Liverpool to get back into the Champions League if they miss out this year. So that, I think, is the big question for him. And if he comes in January, it could be a bit of a gamble. Whereas if he's at the end of the season, he'll know what the plans are for next year and be able to make a more informed decision. Yeah, it's interesting because, you know, when I watch, you watch Liverpool and I'm thinking also, you know, selling Sadio Mane, I think it disrupted their pattern so much. They kind of had to change their formation a lot to accommodate sort of Nunez, you know, more direct, you know, out-and-out striker, basically. Uh, do you think that has affected them as well with their, with their form at the, at the moment or, or through the season? Yeah, I do. And um, I think that was one of the players that I didn't mention. I think Vinaldum for me, is the one, the big key loss. Mm. And he went a couple of seasons ago. But Mane obviously exited more recently. Mm. And he... I think he provided direction and um, a bit of a north star for Liverpool at times. If it wasn't working, if you weren't getting the ball into Salah and he was um, receiving so much attention from the defence that his ability was nullified and you obviously had Firmino in that front line as well who yes. did drop into the midfield. Yes. But Mane gave you that direction and he allowed you to go in behind. He had that quickness, that pace, but he also had that uncompromising kind of brutal uh straight line towards goal at times. I actually don't think Liverpool are missing out too much in terms of the ability and the attributes of an individual player because they do have Nunez. They do mm. um, they do have uh, Luis Diaz up until the time he got injured. And Diego Jota can be very direct at times. I think with Mane, what they're missing is that kind of leadership, that outlet. They know that they can get the ball into him. They know that he can be effective. Um, and... I think that's largely what they are missing at the moment. It's a team of a lot of players of similar ability. And I think to round off the picture, mm. um, the ownership knows this. And there were questions over whether they'd sell the club as a whole. At the moment, what it looks like is they're going to sell a minority stake, which oh. is largely a capital raising exercise. And the valuation of that's going to be very interesting because they value the club at around about, I think it's 5 billion. You're going to have to correct me if I've got that wrong. Jeez. But if you want to buy 10%, 15% of that mm. um, in order to fundraise to get the sort of investment into the personnel, then that's what could be the first domino to fall. Instead of going into debt, you're going to sell some equity, and that might be the answer to Liverpool's recruitment issues at the moment. Well, yes, we we shall see indeed. Uh, full disclosure here, uh, Jacob, I'm a Chelsea fan, and um, our old mate Ricardo Ball sent in a facetious text as he was walking out the door, and he's got uh, Chelsea are one point ahead of Brighton after spending half a billion pounds and nicking Brighton's manager. Thank you for that, Ricardo. Um, look, I don't know. what what is What is happening... Um, Jacob, I'm not. I'm not happy with how we get, how we're tracking the season at, at all. I think the Chelsea situation, similar problems, but um, a very different approach and um, different in terms of the arc of the ownership as well. Liverpool, obviously yeah. owned by um, <clears throat> the Family Sports Group, and they take a very mature, perhaps a slow burn um, approach, and they're willing to let players go. Whereas um, the new owner <laughs> at Chelsea, very different. It's almost like a kid in a candy store. He wants to get in there. He seems to be very hands-on. And 
the mention of him going after Cristiano Ronaldo at the start of the season was utterly bizarre. You can Ugh. tell there's almost like this magpie, yeah. I like shiny things type approach. So <laughs> what I think, uh, Mr. And you have to, I've only ever seen his name on paper. Is it Bowley? Bowley. Todd Bowley. Todd Bowley. I, I call it, I Todd say Bowley. Bowley. Yeah, but I'm not sure. Yeah. Todd Bowley. So I think what he needs to do is recognize that this isn't North American sports. It's not something where the owner um, can get in there and throw his weight around. What he really needs to do is understand the market mm. a lot better. And that'll require a mature approach and the appointment of a really competent technical director, a sporting director, and somebody that he can then go in and say, well, look, you know, this person's good now, but what Chelsea actually needs to be doing is putting a squad together that can grow over the next two to three seasons. I think what they do have in um, Graham Potter mm. is a manager that is pretty uncompromising, knows who he is, knows what he wants, and he'll be making that very clear to the ownership at the moment that you can go out and you can buy me three Argentines, um, potentially steal someone from Real Madrid, mm. but that's not going to be helpful in terms of achieving the overall plan. And I'm sure there is one, and I'm really keen to see how he goes over the next couple of seasons. But at the moment, Chelsea very much in the turbulence of a change of ownership, a change of approach, and pivoting to a new direction. Oh, tell me about it, mate. Yeah, it's, a, it's going to be a long season, that's for sure. Um, look, one of the stories of the season has been Arsenal. Now, I don't know about you, uh, Jacob, but I look at this and, I, and every time I look at it, and we've heard other commentators say it, you know, and I've said it myself, it reminds us all of Leicester when they won it. We all keep expecting Arsenal to drop the ball as they normally do most seasons, but I don't get the feeling like that about this team. They're playing very well. It's interesting that you bring up Leicester, and I'd have to put very politely, completely disagree. Oh, I think Leicester came out of the woodwork. Um, Leicester surprised everybody. They obviously were down in that relegation fight under Pearson. Ranieri came mm. in, got the calibration absolutely right, amplified the team to a point that they were overachieving. Contrast yes. that with Arsenal. And Mikel Arteta has brought through a generation of hungry, dangerous, technical, ambitious players. And I think we're only seeing the start of this new dawn for Arsenal. They are so strong. And if you look at their front line, yes, Jesus has, a, has stolen a lot of the headlines. He seemed to have been the final part for mm. Arteta. Yeah. But Saka, um, Nketia, Gabby Martinelli is frightening <laughs> for the size, the pace, the technical ability, and then the finishing mm. that he does provide at times. So there's options in that front line. And then if you look at what Arteta's doing, uh, he's got Martinez in uh, as the role of goalkeeper. And I think Martinez, for me... He's, he's not carried himself with much class over the last couple of weeks at the World Cup, but he's very much the villain. He, to me, he for me, reminds me of Schmeichel and the way in which Schmeichel would take so much satisfaction in disrupting and annoying and stealing moments from strikers. So you add him to the mix, Sadiba in that um, centre-back line, Ben White, they seem to be a really solid combination who do provide Arsenal with the ability to navigate the moments in the game when the opposition do come back in and really ask questions of Arsenal. And that's something that's going to happen at the Premier League level up and down the table. And we saw that with Liverpool against Brentford this morning. Yeah. Liverpool came into the game. You knew that they were going to score. Yeah. But Brentford knew they were going to have moments and they took advantage of those. So Arsenal, what they've done is they've actually navigated the first half of the season really well. They're looking to bring some more players in. Uh, that new signing out of the Ukraine, it'll be <clears throat> interesting to see how he goes. Um, but for me, this team is really well balanced. We haven't even mentioned Odegaard and no. um, Xhaka in the midfield. So 
the fact that we are talking about <clears throat> the three to four elements of this Arsenal team and forgetting perhaps some of their most competent and exciting prospects speaks volumes for the way in which Arteta's put this team together, provided a blueprint for the likes of Graham Potter at Chelsea to follow. And the difference between the two teams is that Arsenal are probably two to three years ahead in terms of their project. Yeah, absolutely right. Absolutely right. But do you think Man City or, or Newcastle, even even United, do you think they can, you know, I'd probably rule United out, but do you think City or Newcastle can run down Arsenal? I think City's going to put a run together and yeah. it's getting to that part of the season where the games come so quickly. Yes. Um, unfortunately for City, they drop points against Everton, which is a real surprise, I've got to say, because Everton are floundering <laughs> oh, down the bottom yeah. of, into the table. Yes. Uh, not just saying that as a, as a Liverpool fan. Um, but Man City, I think, will be the team that does put Arsenal between the crosshairs and hunts them down. And I think we're going to see a really interesting race towards the end of this um, Premier League season. Arsenal are out in front in like a horse race. Can they stay there? Can they survive? They're going to drop points at some stage of the season. The question will be, can they maintain enough of a gap between them and City and get there and get over that finish line at the end of the year? Yeah, absolutely right. And it's been, look, it's been such a great season because there's different teams now challenging. Newcastle, okay, they've had money put in, uh, but Eddie Howe's done a fantastic job uh, with that side. And now Chris Wood is even getting a bit of game time with um, Callum Wilson coming back from injury too. Yeah, and that's wonderful for us to see as Kiwi football fans. Um, I think Woodsy, um, such a wonderful professional, being in the game in the UK for so long, obviously um, being around a number of different clubs, including a Leicester team, keeping both Harry Kane and Jamie Vardy yeah. out of the side back in the day. Um, and he's a, a really in a really mature space at the moment, very comfortable, and you can tell that he is staying at Newcastle at the moment. There's been no suggestion that he could move on. Um, and he wants to fight for a spot, which I think is an amazing thing. It's very commendable. But also, if you look towards the end of the season, from a strategic point of view, Newcastle are in the conversation for a Champions League spot. Oh, yes. They've gone about their work very quietly. Um, and I think with Eddie Howe, you've got somebody that not only is composed and very clear in what he wants from his team, but also has a plan and has put together a team that is capable of fighting it out in the Premier League. They haven't gone out and simply grabbed a bunch of superstars and tried to put them together and created an alchemy out of those parts. What they've said is, let's go with what works. And Chris Wood in the Premier League works. And this is the time of the year where Woodsy can really come to the fore. He's got that size. He's got that physical capability. Um, and he will give Newcastle a different answer to questions posed to them at times. Yes, he's actually really wonderful with the border's feet and bringing other players into the game, but he works so hard and his movement in the box is actually really sharp at that top end level with the delivery that Newcastle can get into the box at times through the likes of Kieran Trippier. He's going to be such a threat in these really cold, wet months <laughs> where potentially playing on the ground isn't always going to be the obvious route to go. And if we look just a little bit further afield at the moment, mate, um, the other really cool thing for football fans is that Ryan Thomas, someone that we haven't seen yes. for a long time, unfortunately has been rehabbing a knee injury, came back and played the last 25 oh, minutes good. in a Christmas 
uh, friendly, Christmas break friendly um, for Pex Vale. So he is a player as we look towards the next World Cup that we want to see back on the field playing in that top level in Europe so that we can reap the rewards of that quality and that hunger that he clearly has for our All Whites team. Absolutely. He's the forgotten man because he's been injured so much, but he, I'm, I'm with you, he can be one of our best players, if not our best player. Hey, Jacob, we've got to wrap it up shortly, but just quickly, let's bring it local. The Phoenix yesterday got off to a cracking start. Lovely goal from David Ball, and then Melbourne showed their class. What does this mean for the Phoenix? Do you still think they can make that top six? Absolutely. It's a congested table at the moment. Yes, they are at the wrong end of the peloton, but they should be able to put um, some good performances in against Sydney and Brisbane. And the important thing for me is that if they do get results, they will not only accumulate three points themselves, but it'll take it off Brisbane and Sydney and move up the table. The difference yesterday was the finishing. Oscar Zavada had the chances, didn't put them away. Mm. Jamie McLaren had two chances, put them both away. So 3-1 yeah. was really flattering on Melbourne City. Um, I don't think the Phoenix were that far off. The important thing for me, though, was that the Phoenix probably a little bit on the wrong side of the ledger in terms of the physical ability to compete with Melbourne City. So that might be something that they want to look at um, in terms of the rest of the season. But it was a good milestone for them. They didn't take their foot off the gas. They didn't want to take any backward steps to the team at the top of the table. And that's the sort of approach that we want to see manifest from Ufuk Tale's team if they are to go deep into the season, make the playoffs, and also hopefully advance within those playoffs. Damn straight. Hey, Jacob, mate, thank you so much for your time today, pal. Um, Enjoy the rest of your uh, Christmas New Year break. Lovely. Thanks, guys. Have a great day. Yeah, you too. There you go, Jacob Spoonley, talking all things uh, football.